It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby, Mateo with you here on a Saturday night. As we're going to take you into the Sunday morning, 10 to midnight. 10 to midnight every weekend, actually. Saturday and Sundays here on FSR Las Vegas. And yes, we are a little over a week. Well, eight days away from the big game. Remember when we had to call it that, the big game? Super Bowl coming up, KC Philly. We have a lot of stuff going on here in Vegas itself. We'll get into that as well. Tom Barton taking a much-deserved night off. So who will fill in tonight for Mr. Tom Barton? Well, let's go to the Heat Wave Rolodex and the lucky lucky guest host tonight, co-host with me. Let's bring him out from Straight Bet Sports, my man, Jose Valente. Jose, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to have you on with us. What's going on, Tim? I'm excited, happy, ready to rock and roll, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, man, I texted you this. I said, hey, man, you want to come on to Heat Wave tonight? You, I would have thought you hit the lottery, man. You, you were through text. I could feel the emotion, my man. <laughs> you know it, man. I'm always ready right there by the phone waiting for that call. <laughs> I told you I'm ready to go. Six man, let's go. Well, we're going to have some fun tonight for sure. Uh, before we even jump into the sports side of it, why don't you let everybody know what's going on with Straight Bet Sports? Tell everybody where they can where they can see your show, they can hear you. I know you do a lot of other stuff over on Twitter though as well. Yeah, man. So right now, actually, our contract did end. We're still at Gorilla Cross Radio. We're just in the process of looking for sponsors. I'm actually working at the studio now with Quan, doing other things behind the big board, learning some extra things there, trying to add more to my portfolio. But we're going on an interview basis right now. Got some new things coming out. So we're basically uh, going to be going on a show-to-show type of thing where we get players, coaches, and uh, do quick interviews. And like you said, man, we're doing a lot of YouTube and uh, Twitter, and it, it's, it's growing a lot right now. So uh just trying to go out there and do a lot with the gambling Twitter community as well. So just follow me at uh, Jose underscore Volonte and Straight Bet Sports, man. We're all over the place. Nice, man. Are you are you headed over to Legion tomorrow for the Pro Bowl game? I am not. To be honest with you, I've never been a big Pro Bowl guy, a big Pro Bowl fan overall. I don't remember the last time I've actually sat down to watch it. Um, I'm, I'm happy that the fact that they've changed the format a bit, but I will not be there tomorrow. I was actually offered tickets to go. Didn't even have to pay for it, even though I know it's not that expensive. But... Just staying away from it for tomorrow. Just gonna hang out and be at the crib. We might as well start with that. It's it's on our on our uh, schedule for tonight. So let's let's talk about it. I wasn't going to either, and I came across some freebies. Well, as everybody knows, you and I can just apply for a credential. We most likely would get it. But yeah. sometimes I don't want to sit up there, man. You know, like don't get me wrong. I think they take care of us great. But sometimes I just don't want to sit up there. I want to sit in the action. I know you said the same thing, kind of when. Uh, with the Golden Knight situation is that we can go to games, but sometimes we want to sit in the crowd with our friends and, and feel the excitement. And I think for Raiders action, the, the four games I went to this season, I, I did, uh, I sat two upstairs, but then the other two, I, I was sitting in the crowd because it's just a different atmosphere. And if you want to cheer, you can cheer, you know? So for this type though, I didn't want to sit upstairs. And at the same time, I'm not expecting to be so involved in the game itself because I'm with you. It's just not something that's, you know, a glorified exhibition. And it's actually, in my mind, 
it's not as good as it was when it was in Hawaii as far as just uh, with any type of all-star experience. I say the same thing about the NBA all-star weekend. It's not as good as it was, but I understand people want to hang out and that's, it seems to me, Jose Moore, it's that, Hey, I was there. It's more to be seen that I was there. And especially when it comes to Vegas, would you agree that that's what the pro bowl has kind of been? Because it was in Hawaii. Then they just didn't do it. And now it looks like Vegas is where it's going to be, but it's, I don't even think glorified exhibition is the correct term. I'm more about it's just like a who's who to be seen situation. It's become like a mini Olympics if you think about it for the NFL at, at, at towards the end of the season. That's basically what they're doing now because they're they're doing games. They're calling it the Pro Bowl games, right? It's no longer mm-hmm. the Pro Bowl game, the Pro Bowl weekend. It's basically Pro Bowl games. And I'll be honest with you. Like I said, I don't watch it much, but the fact that they're going to a flag football game to me makes a lot more sense. If you're already trying to protect these guys from not getting hit, make it more exciting and more fun for the fans in any way, shape, or form. I get it. It's the first year they're going to try it. you got to figure something out, but it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to play out on the field because they're going to be playing it in a stadium. From what I believe, it's not the full field, though. They're cut in half, give or take. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to play out, how many people are actually going to show up, and is it actually going to be a hit with the fans? Are the fans actually going to enjoy this? And is this going to be something that we're going to see moving forward in the future? Is Vegas finally going to be the staple where they go, hey, we're going to stay here for a long time and we're not going to keep flipping it back and forth? I mean, who knows? If I'm being honest with you, I haven't heard much buzz from a lot of people around town. Maybe I'm crazy. Obviously, you see things on TV and all that. But from people that I've spoken to, media-wise or just like in general, like sports fan-wise, not too many people care about the Pro Bowl this weekend. And I don't hear a lot of -of out-of-town people coming in either for it. And I work on the Strip, so I haven't heard much buzz on it so far. No, same thing. I haven't heard you-know-what about it. And that that worries me. And then when you – Actually, it doesn't worry me. That's a, that's a phrase. I shouldn't have said it. I don't really care either way. But when you think about what that stadium holds and what the tickets are going for, right? you can get a ticket for 20 bucks. So they they obviously know it's not going to be full. And um, you have a lot of named guys that aren't going to be there. And now the format's changing, like you mentioned. You know, And that's something that they, they tried to switch it up. And I don't understand. You know, when it was in Hawaii, the players liked to do it because it was in Hawaii. They could bring their families on vacation at the same time. I understand the TV. Yeah, and the TV ratings were terrible. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, we need to change this up. And they went to – they had captains and they picked their teams. You know, just – I think it's run its course as far as uh, what it is. Same with basketball. Say the same thing about baseball. I I just think that those – these extra, extra exhibition games, they're not, they're not necessary anymore. And I don't really even think that it, it showcases your stars because you're basing an all-star game. Uh, you're basing the football all-star game on, look, if you're an ego or a chief, you're not even in this, right? You're not, even, you're not even allowed to play in it. And then the guys that just lost last week, most of them don't want to have to go and deal with this. So it's not a true all-star game. In basketball, it's an all-star game of the first half. In baseball, it's an all-star game of the first half, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, just to, to bring it all back full circle, I don't, I don't know what to expect. And I'm only going because I had a couple of friends that wanted to go. So I was like, okay, you know what, I'll go and be that guy. And we got a couple of field passes, so we'll we'll hang out for a little bit. But I don't know what to expect, Jose. I really don't. I'm with you. My expectations are very low. So if it surpasses that, then that's awesome. But if it's below that, I don't know what to say. 
And then not only that, <clears throat> let's, let's kind of take a step backwards, Tim. You mentioned the people that are playing in it, right? Right. Let, let's talk about some of these rosters. And let's talk about some of the guys that made it. One being your guy in particular, your <laughs> star. I'm talking about the star of your team, man. The guy that got you guys to the playoffs, right? I mean, Huntley. I mean, this guy comes in and it's like, wait a minute. We're giving him a Pro Bowl nod here? Like, we're, 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 is, this, is this really where we're going to? Like, if, if we're being honest here, Joe Flacco deserves to be more on the Pro Bowl list than freaking this kid does. But I get it, right? It's become a popularity contest, Tim. That's what it is. And the only reason that your guy got it, and let's be real, is because his team made it to the playoffs. He was there when the guy went down. He took over the team, even though didn't do that great, but they still found a way to skid into the playoffs. He happened to be that guy, right, Tim? And that kind of goes back to what you're saying, that what has this become? It's not what it is anymore and what we used to enjoy. Again, when I was a kid, I probably watched more Pro Bowls than I did when I was growing up and I was a lot more older, but it, it is different. It doesn't have the same feel. It feels like every year they try to switch it up and try to make it something else that it isn't. And then when you don't have the star players that are supposed to be in there, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I could care less about the guy because I'm a Jets fan, but how many years wasn't he in it? The guy was in the Super Bowl almost half of his career, which means he was almost a pro bowler every year and almost always bounced out of it because he either lost the Super Bowl or he was going to be in the Super Bowl or whatever it might have been. Right, Tim? Mm -hmm. So we're not getting the actual players as fans that we want to see in this game at the end of the day. So I say go away with the games, but do all of the competitions have fun make it more of a fan friendly weekend and don't have to focus on just playing one game that's going to matter for the whole pro bowl so the afc originally <clears throat> it was mahomes allen and burrow none of them are playing now it's trevor lawrence you just mentioned tyler huntley and soon to be former raider Derek carr are, are the, so you went from the three best quarterbacks debatably in the league to uh, one good one, one underachiever, and one guy that, I mean, literally this is what it came down to, Jose. So I got a call, and it was the NFL, and they said, hey, Tim, uh, we're trying to decide, are you available to be uh, in, the All in the Pro Bowl game? It's between you and Tyler Huntley. I turned it down, though. I turned it down. So, Tyler, hey, you you're welcome, man. Right. You have to do what's right. Yeah, you have right, to do what's right. right. Tyler, you're welcome, bro. Two touchdowns, you're welcome. I'll be honest with you, though. Trevor Lawrence, that's one that I'm okay with. You know what I mean? The, the, mm -hmm. the kid had a good season. You know what I mean? Jacksonville's back on the map. Let's be real. You know, they got a coach. They got someone that knows how to, you know, coach that style of quarterback. Trevor Lawrence wasn't the problem in year one. We know who the problem was, my good friend, you know, Urban Meyer. But um, <laughs> other than that, I mean, Tyler Huntley, with all due respect, should not deserve to be there. Derek Carr, I get it. I understand it. You know what I mean? And the NFL is very smart by doing that. Let's be real, Tim. We're going to bring in Derek Carr to be on this roster, knowing for sure that he's gone, knowing that everything that's happening. And, I mean, Derek Carr is a very, very smart, intelligent individual. Not only that, he's very respectful, right? Doesn't throw jabs, doesn't do things. But, man, that response that he had, Tim, <laughs> that response that he had to, to Ryan Clark was just unbelievable, perfect. And not only that, him wearing the red NFL hat and not even sporting a Raider hat was, to me, top-notch. I loved it. Yeah, he was tearing up the, the exhibition games. And what did he say? Something to the effect of, have you ever played this good on this field? And he goes, 
this is the something to the effect of this is the best I've ever played yeah, here, they, and they, maybe they that's go, why I'm they, moving on. <laughs> have you ever been this hot here in lot since you've been to Las Vegas? He goes, uh, apparently not. That's probably why I'm be somewhere else next year or something. <laughs> I'm telling you. And and the the craziest thing is if you guys did not see that video, I'm telling you, go look at it. His facial expression after he says that and everyone is laughing, he goes from like joking about it to completely serious like uh-huh i'm being real what's up mm -hmm. and you could tell he has so much left in him tim i'm sorry i believe that if he gets into the right spot i'm not gonna say super bowl or anything like that i want to go crazy but i think in the right spot he'll be able to succeed and show people that the raiders made a big mistake by cutting ties with him let's roll into it then we'll seg right into that because i think we pretty much tapped off what we could talk about the pro bowl other than it being here in town and it's a local event it is what it is, but the Raiders situation is, look, it's uh, ever-changing, right? You know, and I'll just start by saying when they made the decision to go New England West and they brought in GM and McDaniels, obviously, unless you're walking into a situation where you have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen-type quarterback, most coaches – or GMs want their own guy, right? And let's just say maybe McDaniels didn't want Carr. I get it. I understand that. And they did, you know, they had the year to do it, and they underachieved, the team underachieved. So when you're faced with what it would cost next year, salary cap-wise, to have Derek Carr, if you're going to go the financials and the business route with me, I get it. I totally understand it. The way it went down, BS, man. That was just re garbage for a guy – I don't think – I'm not a Derek Carr fan, but he didn't do anything wrong uh, as far as I was concerned in, in not only A, his field – you know, he had it – if you look statistically, he didn't play badly, right? He, in my mind, with what he had around him, maybe he should have played better. But we all know, O-line problems, defensive problems. Look, the team just wasn't good. But the way they went about carrying it on and basically just – uh, taking him off the roster and we're moving on. That was garbage. And the guy, when he since he, since that team has come to Las Vegas, he's been an integral part of putting his face forward and trying to be the the uh, face of the franchise. And and you can't fault the guy for that. So if I'm him, I totally feel the way he he feels. And you know what? I wish him best of luck wherever he goes. My question to you would be: Is what are you going to do? And I know you've talked about this. What are you going to do in the meantime? Jared Stidham's not the guy. So, what's what in your what do you feel the Raiders' long term plans are at this position? Because if they get into a situation where they're just trying to stopgap everything, it's not going to solve a problem. They need to build forward. So before I get into who I think is going to be the guy that they might try to go after or what they got to do at quarterback, I got I got to tell you real quick on how just how I feel about this organization, mm -hmm. and and I mean this with all due respect, respectfully, because you know how we are, Tim. We got to be careful with what we say while we're here in Vegas, right? When you do media, <laughs> right. it's kind of a thin ice that we skate on from time to time. Obviously, we have to be real, though. We also have to speak our mind on how we feel. Just got to be careful on how we word certain things. Now, the one thing that I will say, Derek Carr got done completely wrong. You said it. The stats are there. If you look at the defensive ranks since 2014, since he came in the league, the Raiders are basically 30th or at the bottom on almost every single statistic. The guys had one of the worst defenses 
pretty much in all of the NFL his whole career. The guy can't play two sides of the ball. I understand. Has he been a great overall quarterback himself? Probably not. Made some decisions there where made you scratch your head towards the end of some games where you wonder, is he really the guy? But overall, he's given his heart, his soul. He's given everything to this organization. The one thing that I still scratch my head on, Tim, honestly, and, and people keep telling me, well, Jose, you got to understand that one league is one thing and one thing is another. But I, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a business. And what I mean by that is that Mark Davis was able to come into the WNBA, figure out how the WNBA works, right? Figure out how to create a team, spoke to all the right people, brought in all the right people did all his homework correctly and was able to create a championship team, Tim, right? <clears throat> so that leads to my next question. You've had your team in the NFL a lot longer than you've had in the WNBA, yet you haven't been able to figure out that blueprint. Now, again, you can give me all the, well, the NFL's a different monster. It's not the WNBA. I get that, and I don't disagree with anyone on that. But at the end of the day, a business is a business. And when you buy a new business and go into a new business venture without knowing anything, what do you do, Tim? You learn it, you figure it out, you grow it, and you make it become a monster. That's what he's done with the Aces. Why hasn't he been able to figure that out with the Raiders, Tim? He has mm -hmm. not done anything so far with the Raiders, if we're being honest with you. The guys that he's brought in has been unbelievable, just, just horrible. How is it that a guy like Rich Basaccia was able to take this team to the playoffs? Your guy was Derek Carr, was able to rally his whole team around him and create what they created. So I get it, come close to almost beating Cincinnati, let's be honest, but still just making it as far as they did. And then you come around and you try to create New England, East or West, like you just said, and switch everything up. You're trying to steal from a blueprint instead of trying to learn and create your own, which gets back to what I'm saying. He has not been able to figure out how this NFL model works just yet, I think, Tim. And I think that's one of the biggest issues here is ownership. It's the front office. We see it all the time with the Dallas Cowboys. I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it. Dallas won't win a Super Bowl until Jerry Jones steps back and let someone be a general manager and that's what we're seeing here i know we have a gm i know we have all that but mark davis is still putting his foot in his mouth and doing things that he should not be doing he needs to step back and try to find the right people to do the right things for this organization because so far i don't think he's done that tim and the way that they did this with Derek carr was just absolutely just disrespectful and a flat-out slap to his face. You should have let him finish out the season. You knew you weren't going anywhere. Give him his roses. Let him finish it out in front of the fans. But now he's going to come back to finish it out the way he wants to. He has the leverage, and it's not on them anymore. This was just wrong, and I hope and wish that Derek Carr gets into the right situation. As for the Raiders, who are they going to get at this point in time? I could care less who they get, Tim. I don't even care if they get Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they're going to win anything. McDaniels is not a head coach in this league. We've seen it before in Denver. We've seen it now with the Raiders. He is not a head coach. He's a good coordinator. He's a great coordinator under Bill Belichick, and that is all he will ever be. I don't even think if you were to bring in Tom Brady, if Tom Brady was still two years ago Tom Brady, now would it make a difference. This team is going nowhere under Josh McDaniels. You said... Um the model, right, and, and the ownership model. So generally, and we all know the richer the owner, it seems like the, the more involved they get, which is the, the worst. That's the worst thing ever. But So you rely on who you choose to run your operations. Um, in the WNBA, look, let's be real. Bill Van Beer built that, that, 
Bill, Bill Lane Beer built up to what the Aces won last year. Becky Hammond threw her spin on it. You know, they added a piece or two that, that made it work. They got uh, very lucky with no injury issues. And, and we'll talk a lot more WNBA in hour two. But Bill Lane Beer, and then with a little help from Dan Padover, they, they kind of built the, the model that got them to where they're at. Now, granted, a smaller league, uh, et cetera. So in the NFL side of it, um, I don't know how to put it other than what we walked into in Las Vegas. What, do you think it would have worked if Gruden wouldn't have been uh, lambasted and, and run out of town for an email that was 46 years old? That okay, I, I, again, we're not going to get into whether condoning what it was said in there was right or wrong. But do you feel, think it would have worked, or do you just feel like he uh, Davis? And respectfully, I'll say this as well, respectfully. It's just kind of like a fanboy, man. You know, like he has his favorites and, and he, he plays off of whatever they want to do. That's exactly what he is. He's a fanboy. And this team was doomed before they even got to Vegas, Tim. The John Gruden hire, with all due respect, was a joke. Then we see the Mike Mayock debacle, which we all know what that was. Jeez, this guy brings in his buddy, which he knows is going to be the scapegoat if it doesn't work out. And he can say, ah, we brought in a guy that never did anything behind the scenes. He was only a guy on TV. Hey, you know, we washed our hands. It is what it is. But then everything happens with the emails and all that with John Gruden. John Gruden was not the guy. With all due respect, John Gruden belongs back in the booth doing the play-by-play, doing what he was doing for ESPN. He was great at that. Let's be honest. He is no longer a head coach. He wasn't really that great of a head coach, in my opinion. He took a team that was set in Tampa Bay and ended up beating a guy with a team that he had set up and built the previous year, which was the easiest thing anyone could have done to win a Super Bowl. After that, he did nothing. John Gruden was not the answer for this team. And they were doomed from the beginning. As soon as that contract was signed, as soon as that money was given, you can tell that was a friend hire. That was a fanboy hire, like you said it, Tim. He brought him back to generate revenue because he knew the fans loved him. He knew that the regular, everyday fan with the culture was going to jump back into the Raiders because, oh, man, we got Chucky. He's back. He's our guy. We're going to win something. But he knew damn well that they weren't going to win anything right off the bat. It was all about generating revenue, which it worked, right? A lot of Raider fans came back to light when John Gruden got hired. The move to Vegas, I think, would have been a lot worse if not having John Gruden because I think he was more of that glue that kind of brought some of that fandom with him in a way and kind of kept the Raider fandom going. But at the end of the day, he was not the answer, Tim. This team has not found the answer yet, and I don't know if they will anytime soon. So what's the game plan? What do we do this year at quarterback, Jose? I mean, at the end of the day, you have no choice but to go after Aaron Rodgers. But the thing is, what are you gonna what are you gonna give up? I, I know it's been a joke, and, and he's been out here playing golf or wherever it was, and people are joking around saying, "Aaron, you know the Raiders, you know this and that." Um, Devontae Adams tweeted out when Las Vegas locally put it on Twitter. They're like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, where's he gonna buy his next house? And Devontae Adams said, "Next to mine." Like <laughs> right off the bat, already there's things out there. Granted. All this stuff could just be jokes. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are great friends. We all know that. But behind the scenes, what's really going on? I mean, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers really wants to leave Green Bay. I don't know if this is all just leverage for him to try to find a way to do something. Who knows? But honestly, I don't see any other quarterback, unless you're going to bring back Aaron, uh, uh, Derek Carr, which we all know that's not going to happen. I think Aaron Rodgers is the end-all, be-all. Because who are you really going to draft in this draft? Are we really going to go after Bryce Young? Is that really the type of thing that we're going to do here? We're going to go after another Alabama quarterback. 
when you have supposedly your guy in Jared Stidham right now, which is supposed to be the next guy, so we're going to bring in another project guy to rebuild again. You brought in a guy in Devontae Adams and paid him all this money. You worked on your defensive side of the ball by bringing in Jones and other players as well to be next to Max Crosby. You need to work on this offensive line a little more. You already have Josh Jacobs, which you better find a way to keep him as well. Make sure that all that works out because he had an amazing season. You have the weapons on the offensive side of the receiving side of the ball. There is no more excuses. Go after Aaron Rodgers, I think, Tim. Call me crazy. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think that's the end-all, be-all. There is no other way around it. Even if you go after Aaron Rodgers, which is is the hot-button topic, even if they go after Aaron Rodgers, what do you get out of it? A year? Maybe two? Are, are we, are we get, in the win now, you know? You're definitely in the win now. I think if you bring a guy like Aaron Rodgers over to the Raiders, we're looking at a situation kind of like – when Peyton Manning went over to Denver, now granted, Denver had a way better defense than what the Raiders have right now. You know what I mean? The Raiders haven't had a great defense in a long time. But just scenario-wise, weapons-wise, right, what can happen? Tell me you can't see a guy like Aaron Rodgers having an amazing possible MVP-type season at his age with the type of offensive weapons that he has in Vegas if he were to come here. Obviously, that offensive line has to get worked on, Tim, like I said. But you think he won't have a field day with those type of receivers? No, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I don't think it – here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers, right? What has he done to develop Jordan Love? Nothing. We know that. And I'm not even saying that Jordan Love's the next big thing, but we know Rodgers uh, – we've heard a lot of stories about Aaron Rodgers from former teammates. So, yeah, he walks into an offensively gifted situation. Maybe they make a couple uh, – spend some money in the offseason on, on defense. What, what are they giving up? That's a good question. And you mentioned Josh Jacobs. You know, this is here we go again. Front office snafu, right? They they chose not to extend Jacobs' rookie contract, right? That puts him in a situation now where they're going to have to pay him to, to keep him. That's a front office mistake. So, do I do I expect? Would I be surprised if it, tomorrow morning we woke up and and some deal was bartered for Aaron Rodgers to be the next quarterback in Las Vegas? Absolutely not. I expect something like that. What's the answer, though, if it's not Aaron Rodgers? Is it the, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is available out there? You know, that's, that's the next, next thing I hear. Other, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, if it's not Tom Brady, who we know is gone now, if it's not the, the, big, the big one was if it's not Lamar Jackson, then it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's a hell of a drop-off. I look at it this way. You better not go after Jimmy G. The only excuse I've heard for Jimmy G is, well, he's been in the Super Bowl. Okay, man, but what has he done in his whole career overall? <laughs> the guy is the greatest handoff quarterback in the history of the NFL. Literally, his team's run off a of defense and him handing off the ball to the running backs. It's not about him throwing the ball. But you said a name that I know is crazy, and it's probably not going to happen, but the Raiders making a move after Lamar Jackson would be one of the craziest things I would ever see. I mean, I, I can, I, I, I would love seeing him in, in silver and black. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a Raider fan. You know what I mean? We support him. We root for him because we're out here. But imagine that, Tim. Imagine if the Raiders found some magical way to get him out of Baltimore. First of all, do you think that would? Do you think that's even possible? And second of all, would Baltimore really let something like that happen? I've actually been asked that question numerous times because everybody <laughs> knows I'm a Ravens fan. So, yeah. Uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think it's possible, and no, I don't think it's going to happen. But we've seen crazier things happen, and 
look, man, from a fan standpoint, I'm not happy with Lamar. I felt like he kind of dogged us there at the end of the season. And if you know what, if he's legitimately hurt, Lamar, I know you're listening. If he's legitimately hurt, I, I apologize. But there's, a, there's some doubt in my mind that he wasn't 100%. Okay, you're going to tell me that? I agree. Could he have played? I think so. And was this maybe a F you to the organization in that look what I'm worth to you? Maybe, right? So we'll, we'll take all the conspiracy theories out of it, and I go this way. It's like the question always becomes, Jose, is that what are you replacing the person you're, you're getting rid of, right? So in Derek Carr's sense, older, hasn't worked out, huge contract, right? So we want to spend that money elsewhere. In Baltimore's case, younger, MVP. We see what he can do as a two-way player. Obviously, their record without him isn't as good as it is with him. Uh, big contract, you invest in the future. So regardless of all the things that are being said behind the scenes and the grandstanding, I think worst-case scenario, you franchise tag him and you do it again for a year. You know, that that's what I see happening here. So I don't see it happening. And here comes the other side. They're not going to let him just go there for a song and a dance. It's going to cost you. If you're going to if you're going to make the move, it's going to cost you. And I don't know if the Raiders have what Baltimore wants other than some first rounders. And I say some, I'm talking multiple, Jose, and and you know how protective these teams are with first round picks. I just can't see that happening. Um, but who knows, man? Who knows? I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I, I do expect Lamar to be back in Baltimore. Worst case scenario to another one year. Best case scenario, look, they pay the guy the money, you know? Another franchise tag, man. I'm not a big fan of that stuff because sometimes you're basically putting your quarterbacks or just your player in general that you're doing that to down, if you think about it. Sometimes they'll play it on that franchise tag, but what are you really going to get from them at the end of the day afterwards? Are you yeah. really going to be getting the 100% or you're just going to be getting that guy that's going to go out there and play, make sure he doesn't get hurt, and give you the bare minimum? You know what I mean? That, that always gets in the back of my mind with those franchise tags. Or you're essentially pissing them off, right? <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, the positive, hey, we get Aaron Rodgers. We get Lamar Jackson. The negative, if the negative is we get Jimmy G, then you know what? Let's, let's, let's go ahead and start the rebuild, right, Jose? Let's do this. Let's go out and, and let's draft somebody and maybe try to cultivate that instead of trying to plug the gap. If you don't get any of those guys, I don't know what to even think at that point. But see, if you're Jimmy G, and are you gonna want to go into that type of situation? Like, say for example, if they end up if they end up going after Jimmy G, let's say he's the last option, and they get and they give him that, right? But they know that the Raiders are still gonna have that top pick, and they might end up trying to draft a quarterback if they can. If you're Jimmy G, is that another situation you want to get into yourself into that you just basically got yourself out of? You know what I mean? I, Think about that. I would say for selfish reasons, no, you don't. But I think in Jimmy G's mind is that. He's familiar with or, with the people running the organization, right? And we know that. It's New England West. And he knows those guys. And it wouldn't be a one-year deal. You'd think it would be a multi-year deal. So he's guaranteed to be the starting quarterback for at least, you would think, two seasons unless they just completely uh, fall off the face of the earth and they have to move into, let's put the kid in there to go. So I don't know because he was in that same spot. Jose, when Trey Lance, the Trey Lance situation, right? And yeah. he still ended up playing. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess sometimes it comes down to dollars and cents, and if Vegas is, is ponying up the cash, if I'm Jimmy G, where do I sign?
I, man, it's just this. It's just this is going to be an interesting off season. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting off seasons. Even though there's not going to be that many moves being made, it's just some of the moves that are going to be made are going to be so intriguing that I think a lot of us are going to be stuck by our phone just waiting to see what's going to happen to him. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby along with Jose Volante from Straight Bet Sports. And we're going to take our first timeout of the night when we come back. More NFL football. I'll get Jose's thoughts on, on the big coaching change that happened earlier this week. Well, the two. There, actually, there's two. We'll talk about those. And, uh, yeah, there's, I guess there's a big game next week. We'll, we'll talk about that for a little bit. All here up until the midnight hour. It is Heat Wave Sports. It is Fox Sports Radio. Talking NFL football, of course, here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. That's 989 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby, Jose V with you tonight. You can follow us on that there Twitter at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. Jose, throw that feet, uh, that handle out real quick. Man, I'm sorry. I'm over here vibing my tail coming in with the what you won't do, do for love. Uh, anyways, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Jose underscore Volonte and also at Straight Bet Sports. That's with an eight on the straight. And if you check Jose out, sometimes he gives emotional emotional tweets and i love it because he, he you know jose you said something funny in the first segment is that in the media we sometimes have to tread the <laughs> tread the line a little carefully <laughs> we can't always really say how we feel and you know what i get it i understand all of that i mean we shouldn't have to to do that but we do because we enjoy going to games let's be real about it right <laughs> If, 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 oh my! If, if, let's just say this: if, if we really said how we felt about a lot of things, I don't even think you guys would be listening to us on the air right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's just put it that way, right? right, that, right. That's the only way we can say, it, man. But it's always fun coming on here and chopping it up with you, Tim, especially on the late night hour, man. Just relaxing, hanging out. So I appreciate you, my brother. No, always, man. We always get a lot of good, good compliments on when you're on the show. So. We we always uh we always talked about the the struggle to be accepted and then it became it wasn't even about being accepted right Jose it's about doing our own thing and screw everybody else if we don't fit in and that's fine because I think our little collection of just the the, the main guys that we still kind of interact with you know we can mix and match however you want and some we don't talk to anymore some we do but the main dudes we don't really care about what other people think so. That's that's what it comes down to, man. You know. Yeah, man. We're all collective, collectively our own, which is what I love, man. And we all learn from each other. I learn every single day, man. I've grown a lot, and I appreciate everything that I've learned from you guys, man. So I'm not gonna stop. And uh, anytime I'm on here, you know, I give you guys my 100% all the way. Absolutely. There were a couple coaching changes, or a, oh yeah, in the NFL this past week. Um, we'll start with the big one. Sean Payton, now the guy in Denver. Mike McCarthy. I'm sorry, Sean Payton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're the same guy. But anyways, continue. Do you feel? <laughs> do you feel he? I feel this way. Do you feel that he settled here? Like he was tired of being on the sidelines. And he just kind of settled for, for this job. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know if he settled, but you know what's very interesting to me, and I I'll look up the interview and I'll post it on my Twitter here shortly after the show, but. 
there was an interview that he did, and I believe it was either on Fox or it, it might have been on 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 the on the herd with Colin Cowherd, where if you listen to that interview, he's making it seem like the Texans were the best coaching situation possible. He talks about the division, how you have the Indianapolis Colts, which you're still trying to figure it out, how you have Jacksonville, which, yeah, they got Trevor Lawrence, but they're not all that there. And then he talked about, um, uh, Jesus, what's the other team in the freaking division? I'm spacing out here. But then he talks about how Houston is just, they're perfectly fit, how they have money and how they have draft picks and capital. And I'm sitting there going, are, are you being serious right now? Are you just trying to, you know, make people think that maybe this is a better job for you but you already had a different agenda to go somewhere else i i think that regardless of the fact he was going to come back i think the one year thing was was evident that he was going to do that i think he just wanted to step away from new orleans and take a break and i think he kind of wanted to hand that job to allen you know he kind of already wanted to have him ready there and and just move on and do something else and the fact that he no longer had drew Brees. It's just I think it changed everything for him. You know what I mean? The whole coaching, car I mean, the whole uh, quarterback carousel that he had there with Jameis Winston and then the contract situation after they gave all that money to Taysom Hill and he ended up not being the starting guy. I mean, I think there was just so much going on in New Orleans and not bad, just so much that he finally wanted to get away from it and start over again. I think the job that he really, really, really wanted, but he probably knew he was never going to get is Dallas because we know Jerry Jones was never going to give him power and that's what Sean Payton wanted and that's what basically Denver's giving him they're giving him a lot more power than any other team was going to give him overall and yes you have Russell Wilson yes you have a good quarterback there and, and, and a possible good situation very very good defense solid defense in Denver we know what they have but what do they have overall on offense I, I do not know what he can really do and go in there at the end of the day but it, this is one of those situations, Tim, where what did we really get here in, in Sean Payton, right? And the reason I said Mike McCarthy earlier, because if we're being honest with you, we pretty much have the same style of quarterback. I mean, the same style of coach. They both won one Super Bowl. They both had a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, right? They've both been great regular season head coaches, come up short numerous times in the playoffs aside from winning that Super Bowl so aside from that what separates these two guys everyone kept saying he needs to go to Dallas Dallas is a spot that's where he should be why him and McCarthy in my opinion are the exact same guy I, I believe uh Bart I think Bart Scott said it a couple days ago that they're ex the exact same guy and if you think about it they pretty much are it's just a matter of who got hyped up more, who was the guy that was likable more, who had the phone call right away and want people to get hired. It was him. It was Mike McCarthy. I mean, it, it, it was Sean Payton. Nobody was calling Mike McCarthy when he took that time off of the NFL, when he got when he left the Packers. Nobody was on him right away to try to give him a job. So I think that, yes, like you just said, to go back to your point, I think he just settled. I think this was the only job that looked good at the end of the day. There was nowhere else for him to go quarterback-wise. He needed a quarterback. He knows without a Hall of Fame quarterback, I do not succeed. He has that in Russell Wilson. So we'll see what he's going to do. Do I think he'll do good? Yes. I, I definitely think that he can turn this Denver Bronco team around and this organization in due time. Don't don't think that it's going to happen next year. Don't even think it'll happen in year two. But I think that eventually this team could get back to what it could be, Tim, and that's winning divisions, getting into the playoffs, possibly getting into a Super Bowl. I think that you said a lot of good points that, you know, defensively they're they're going to be good. They're going to – they're he walks into a defensive situation where they carried the team this year, you know. Um, 
offensively their their weapons their 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 tools there to see if they can adapt to to pay, play, uh, Sean Payton's play calling or whatever he decides to do there. I think the you know Russell, he's not going to be as bad as he was this year. We know that he's not going to be that bad. He's not going to be MVP like he was, but. And I think, I, in my mind, again, I'm not speaking for Russell Wilson. I think he gave up last year, anyways. So, um, really, you think be, he just he just he just packed it up. You think he was just done? I think, he, yeah, I think he just frustrated with. Um, I can't remember the guy's name now. That's how bad he, of a coach he was, apparently, right? Oh, Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, Nate Hackett. I will never call him Nathaniel. His name is the Nate. homie. The, the homie Nate. The homie Nate. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I think he he just got frustrated and was done at that point, and they knew they weren't going anywhere. So, I'm interested to see what he can do there, and I think he'll. Ha- I think he has a longer leash than, you know, he's got a little bit of a longer leash there. But what did he walk into, Jose? Here's the thing: he walked into that d- d- one of the best divisions in football, right? He walked into Super Bowl possible Super Bowl champion this year. He walked into a, a Charger team that, uh, look, they're they're an enigma. If you're a Charger fan, I feel bad for you because you, should be, you definitely should be frustrated with the way that that team builds rosters. You should have been fired this offseason. No, I agree. Just I agree. Just in fact, saying. that's probably where Peyton should be, right? He should be in L.A., right? So, Hey, I think that would have been a way better job for him than Denver. With all due respect, I mean, Justin Herbert, that kid, is he is yeah. one of the future when it comes to the quarterback position. Let's be honest. I have – Season ticket. I have friends that are season ticket holders of the Chargers dating back to San Diego. We're talking about back to the 80s. Oof. And uh, Qualcomm got, Stadium days, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack, no, Jack Murphy Stadium days. How about that? Jack, Jack Murphy. Murphy, Jesus, you're right, yeah, with the rats and everything, you know. Um, <laughs> I remember driving to Tijuana, you could see that off the freeway, <laughs> yeah, you could see the yeah. stadium off the freeway. It's like an eyesore, right? <laughs> so I went to a game this year. He got tickets. Uh, we were in we were in town anyways. But he got tickets to the who they play. Doesn't matter. And we were sitting there talking, and I was like, "If you guys don't," I said, "This is what I said." I said, "If you don't make the playoffs, Staley's got to go." Right? He goes, "Tim, if we make the playoffs, Staley's got to go. I oh, can't no. handle this." Yeah, he's Even like, "I can't they make handle the this. playoffs. <laughs> I can't handle this." And I go, "Well, who do you want?" And he goes. You know, everybody. The guy that wasn't even with us, but there was another guy sitting to the to the right of him. He goes, "We want Peyton," and everybody like agrees. That's who they wanted, and I get it. Being in love with what he could be, or what he did in New Orleans, or what he could make Herbert better as a quarterback, and Eckler. You know, you got great receivers if Williams can stay healthy. They they have a great setup there in San Diego slash LA. But for San whatever Diego. reason, <laughs> Spanos is. I don't know. Like, I, I, he's very loyal to his guys, man, and I, to a fault sometimes. So, what the is the one thing I will Peyton? say real quick? The one thing that I will say because you said loyal, I will respect that because what do we have a conversation with out here almost every year, Tim? Because our, our basketball teams have issues or our football teams have issues. Mm-hmm. We need a new coach. We need a new coach, and we never give guys enough time, quote unquote. Right. So yeah. that's one thing that I will respect. At least, like you just said that. He's kind of trying to be loyal, and I get it. You're not going to build something overnight. Someone's not going to win anything overnight. But when you're watching this team and you're watching some of this coaching's decisions and then you're letting this guy get away with some of the things that he's getting away with, it does make you scratch your head and wonder, like, should he still be the head coach? But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. 
it's almost like you don't want to jump to whatever the shiny new toy is every year, which Sean Payton would be the new toy because he's there. But So he's walking into KC, uh, L.A., Chargers, even even Vegas, right? Throw them in the, are they better than Vegas? I, I don't know. Are, are they the same? There's a lot of question marks there. but So that's why I kind of went with a did he settle for a job rather than maybe sitting out another year and, and resurveying what was going to be available at the end of next season. So I, I felt like he settled, but if he does makes the best of it, could he do some damage there? Maybe. Who knows, right? I mean, this is the NFL. You could literally change your fortunes, Jose, year to year. Some, You know, it's set up that way now, unless you're Houston. And not only that, if he's, <laughs> think about this too, Tim. You just said it, the division he's getting himself into, possible Super Bowl champ coming up. Not only that, possible playoff contending division winning team in the Chargers possible. We don't know what the Raiders are going to be. So he's coming into something that's going to be very difficult, which I can respect because he's not trying to take an easy job. He's not going to a division where he knows, oh, I come in, take over this team, we're going to run it. He's showing you, hey, I'm taking something that is a head coaching job. This is a situation that I have to figure out not only for this team, but how are we going to get around this division? If he does that, hats off to him because that's going to be a hell of a job to do there. We've got about – Seven minutes before the top of the hour timeout. So the second job. And this owner recently has been known to kind of quick quick trigger the, the change here in the last two coaching jobs. But D'Amico Ryan's D.C. at Frisco this past couple of years is now the main guy in Houston. What do you think about that? Do you, I, I like him. Do you think he's going to get a chance to, to have a fair shot, though? Is he going to get Nick? the years it's going to take to kind of get this team back to where it needs to, at least to playoff uh, capabilities. So I, I like D'Amico, but I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Everyone that's on TV and all these big networks and all that that are trying to hype up this hire and go, well, the biggest thing is the amount of the deal. I think he got a six-year, a four-year contract or something like that, right? So everybody's like, he got the years. So what? How many coaches have gotten the years and still get fired before their contract is up? numerous many hundreds of coaches it's happened before it's gonna happen again i like D'Amico ryan's i do i like him a lot but this was a popularity hire that's all it was this was a hire to bring back a guy that played here that started his career here that was making a name of himself in the nfl with the houston texans this is a name and a face that's already known by the fans and by people around town and that's why he was hired is he gonna get a fair shake no I don't like this owner. I have not for a while. The hiring of Lovey Smith and the firing of Lovey Smith was horrible. I think Lovey Smith did a great job with what he had last year, if I'm being honest with you. I don't think he was a great coach by any means of the stretch of any by uh, uh, compared to other people. But given what he had and what he had to do and how they played, they played really good in a lot of games, even games that they lost him, if we're being honest with you. Lovey Smith got hired just because he was a black minority coach which they wanted to get in there because of the whole Deshaun Watson situation because they thought they were going to find a way to keep Deshaun, and we all know how that planned out. It did not work. So at this point, I think the, the owner is just trying to hire another minority, but now the fact that you can bring in a guy like D'Amico Ryans that is making his bones and, and is doing his job and did good in San Francisco, and you can bring him home, of course it's going to look like you're making the right quote-unquote hire, Tim. We're not just hiring him because he's a black coach, let's be honest with you. But we all know that's BS. I don't believe it. 
I'm pretty much sure a lot of people don't believe it. I think this hire was just all based of popularity. I don't even think that the owner thinks that D'Amico is going to do anything. I wouldn't be surprised if the owner already has his next head coach in line, in mind, ready for if this does not work out during next season. I don't think D'Amico is going to get a fair share whatsoever. With all due respect, I don't even think this is the right situation for him. Should he have gotten a head coaching job? Yes. I just don't think that the Houston Texans job was the best fit for him to start off his head coaching career. If you look it up, the Houston Texans, one of the more profitable NHL NFL franchises. So the business side of things, like you said, always comes into play. What about, real quick, Panthers, Frank Reich? Uh, I don't even know what the heck's going on in Carolina, man. You basically gave away McCaffrey for nothing. Now you bring in a retread coach. Just that again, ownership, I think, is, is stinks. It stinks there, man. I just think they're trying to figure it all out again, Tim. They don't know what to do. I mean, ever since they got rid of Ron Rivera, which was there for pretty much almost his whole career, it seemed like they're just trying to put the pieces back together. You hired a guy in Matt Rule, which was more of a rah-rah head coach than he was of an actual NFL coach. And we saw that in his press conference. The first thing I said when I saw this guy was, is he a motivational speaker or is he a head coach? Because I don't know what the heck was going on in his presser. And we saw it just didn't pan out for him as a head coach in the NFL. I like Frank Reich. Don't get me wrong, Tim. You're probably going to disagree with me. But I think this was a decent hire for the Carolina Panthers. Not going to say a good hire. Not going to say a great hire. But I think it's a hire that can help you kind of move into the right direction if you are trying to do a rebuild. We know what he can do with quarterbacks. It's just a matter of are you going to bring in a quarterback that can actually do something in whatever style of offense that they're going to try to have. And not only that, what are you going to do on the defensive side of the ball? This whole team in general needs to be just redone from the ground up. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of situation Frank Wright got himself into. But I think this is the the right head coaching hire for Carolina at this point in time. I just don't see who else you could have brought in with what you currently have and what you're trying to do right now with that organization. And, they're, you know, they're going to be, like you said, sum it all up. That's going to be an interesting offseason with coaching and free agency and some trades. So all this will come to an end. The, the official end of the 2022 20, NFL season will be next week. And in hour two, Jose and I will talk a little bit about the big game. We also have yes, college hoops. We're going to talk about that UNLV brand that you mentioned back in segment number one. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> and we'll end the show, hour two, end the show with – some aces talk some big big moves in the first week of free agency in the WNBA so we'll talk all that in hour number two it's heatwave sports it's fox sports radio stay tuned we're back after this now back to heatwave sports time for hour two of heatwave sports here on fox sports radio las vegas we are on every weekend unless VGK bumps us out of our spot. It happened a lot here in the last couple months, but the schedule looks clean and clear here for the next uh, few months down the line. So every Saturday and Sunday night at 10 o'clock, right here, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, over on Twitter at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And tomorrow night for the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heatwave Sports, Tommy will be back. And um, the OGs will be back together, but we have a very capable replacement tonight for Tom and my man Jose Volonte straight bet sports 
And Jose, we got a big game coming up in, look, in 45 minutes. It's going to be officially a week away. But what do you do? Do you have plans for the Super Bowl this year? Right now, I actually don't. Normally, I'm already set, got something ready to go. But as of right now, I am still open trying to figure it out. But I definitely (laughs) will be doing something. Well, we're doing our annual Super Bowl preview show next Saturday night. There will be no destination this year. That's okay. We're working on something for March Madness, so that that might hopefully pan out for us. So you'll be able to come out and see us at uh, wherever venue we're at to talk March Madness at NCAA tournament. So next week's show, we're going to have to have everybody call in and talk about the game. So, Jose, save your official prediction for next week when we open the phone lines. But let's just talk about the game in general. KC, Philly, Philly. what are your thoughts? You, you like the matchup? Did you feel this was going to be it at the beginning of the playoffs? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on this game? I mean, I, I don't think any of us thought this was going to be the matchup going into the regular season when we first started. But I, I'm excited to be honest with you. I think this is the first time in a while that I don't have a, a, a side, if that makes sense. I'm not like, oh, I, I don't want Philly to win or I don't want Kansas City. Like, I'm actually okay with either team winning. I mean, you got both teams coming in at what sixteen and what sixteen and three both. I mean, Philadelphia had a franchise record winning 14 regular season wins this year. I mean, you have with the storyline, you know, two African-American quarterbacks going against each other. I mean, both guys are still in their, what, mid-20s. Hurts is 24. Holmes is 27. I mean, youngest quarterback combination, you know, I mean, within age years or whatever, I guess, in a Super Bowl appearance, and I don't know how long. You got Patrick Mahomes going into his freaking third Super Bowl in fourth years. I mean, Jalen Hurts been in the league, what, two, three years, give or take now, and he's going into his Super Bowl. Like, it's just, I think it's all a good storyline. And not only that, it's different, Tom. I mean, Tim, it's different. It's not the same thing we're used to seeing the same team every year. I know it's Kansas City, and we've seen them a lot more recently. But before the Mahomes and all that, it was always Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and who he's going to play, right? Like, that's what it always seemed like. That That's all we, was, we saw in the, in the playoffs. It was always the exact same competition, the same matchup. Peyton going against Tom, you know, Ben going against Peyton, things of that nature. It was just different type of games that now we're seeing and it's switching everything up. The models to me are just not what we're used to seeing. I like it. I'm happy. I'm excited. But I think that we're going to see a high-scoring game. I really do. I don't think we're going to see much of the defensive side of the ball here. I know Philly's got one of the best defenses in the league or one of the best-ranked defenses in the league. not going to say the best defense in the league, but we know what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, if they don't have to throw, they can run it. And not only can they run it with their running backs, but they can run it with their quarterback. I mean, Jalen Hurts, when he takes off, what he can do with that ball without having to throw it is just unbelievable. The growth that he's had since he's been with this organization from year one all the way now to making it to the Super Bowl, Tim, has just been unbelievable to watch my my co-host uh, my, my old co-host ian is a huge eagles fan and i used to give him a mess about it all the time like he hated jalen hurts and i told him watch we're gonna have to get you a signed autograph jersey by jalen at the end of the year like just messing with him he's like no nah, it's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen and just look at what he's done i mean if we're being honest probably the mvp of the of the league this season based off of how he took this team on his back and basically did everything he had to do And then if we look at Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, what he's done at the age of 27 already and the amount of Super Bowls that he's been in, MVP. And then Andy Reid, I mean, Andy Reid now going against his former team. We know what he did in Philly, the storyline there. But the fact that he's still at it, man, and the fact that he can still keep getting teams 
to their divisional championship games and to these Super Bowls, Tim. It's just it just shows just the greatness of Andy Reid and the type of coach that he is. But I think we're going to see a great, great Super Bowl. Um, if you're a better, I think there's going to be a lot of great propositions out there to bet. I think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had. So I'm excited, Tim. I don't know about you, man, but I, I'm ready to go. Super Bowl is going to be a good one this year, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I want to see a high-scoring affair. Um, I want to see if if a rushing, if a quarterback who runs can win a Super Bowl. I want to see that. Let me ask you, and uh, before I ask you this question, just to just to jump back on Mahomes real quick, and you mentioned, uh, even though this will be his third appearance in four years, nobody's sick of him yet. That's the thing, right? Nobody's sick of Patrick Mahomes yet. So, two-part question, yes or no. You be yes or no here. If he wins the Super Bowl, it'll be his second, a second win in four trips. Do fans... Uh, begin to get sick of him yes or no no not at no. all okay his yes brother no. maybe but not him yeah exactly i'm already sick <laughs> of him part two yes or no win or lose win or lose is patrick mahomes hall of fame bound already oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent, no doubt about it so him winning a second one all that does is, is put the cherry on top of that sunday right oh yeah easily yeah. put the nail oh. in the coffin done and and I'm saying this knowing that he's hurt, right? If he's healthy, he plays another let's not even say ten, let's say he plays another seven years to his thirty year thirty five. I mean, how many can this guy win, right? They're they're set up they're not here's the thing. When I look at the two teams, I think Philly's window is very, very small. I don't think even with Hertz, I think the window is small. With K C I think, you know, the way they structured these contracts and they extended these guys out Jose, they got a, a, I say at least a three, four-year window that they could pop another two out. I mean, you're talking possible dynasty at this point. Yeah, man. Not only that, I, 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 I'll just say this for you, okay? Think about this. Marquez Valdez Scantley, right? Just that guy came in, did what he had to do. Obviously, not the greatest, biggest numbers overall, but it just shows you that they can win with anybody, Tim. You lost Tariq Hill. This this offense didn't lose a beat, didn't skip a beat. Like no. it, it it was crazy to watch. So I agree with you. I just I think we we're seeing everything that we saw with the Tom Brady type teams when he was in New England. And what I mean by that, it seems like this team is built to win every single year now. Like there's yeah. no doubt about it, and it's scary, but it's respectable to watch as where everyone hated the Patriots and Tom Brady. You lost Tyreek Hill and made it further than you did last year. <laughs> you you lost Tyreek Hill, and Clyde uh, Edwards Hilaire has been just uh, not what they wanted him to be. But they drafted Pacheco. He steps up. You know, oh, you huge, bring yeah. in Ju Juju Schuster, who was basically washed out in Pittsburgh, and when he's healthy, he's capable of being a number one receiver. Hardman speed is undeniable when he's healthy, right? And I'm I'm going with the trend of of the healthier, but it, it's you're right. It's plug and play. And oh, by the way, you have the best tight end in football, right? So. Oh, yeah. It, this here's my thing, and, and again, we're not giving predictions till next week, but the extra week leans me KC a lot more than if they would have had to play this week, if you know what I mean. No, no, of course. They're going to be a lot more fresher. 
I think yeah. it's going to help them out, especially with everything going on with Mahomes. But the one more guy that the one more guy that I want to say real quick right here that I got to give him his flowers that I don't think he got talked about as much, and he stepped up big for this team, especially in the second half of the season. And he won me two fantasy championships this season, by the way. Okay. Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon, oh, that dude, props to him and Andy Reid for the way they used him down the stretch. He was very, very big for this team. Oh, 100%, man. Ut- best utility uh, running back in football, right? Oh, yeah. I've, I had people telling me he was washed up. After everything that happened in Minnesota, he's washed up. He's not going to really do much. Yeah, he's not going to amount to nothing in Kansas City. The guy's one win away from having a Super Bowl. And not only that, winning a Super Bowl and being a major part of winning that Super Bowl. So it's going to be fun. What about this game? Can anything go wrong in this game? Even if it's a defensive battle, is it still it's still with the guys that are out there, it's going to be fun to watch. So can anything go wrong with this game other than the halftime show? <laughs> <laughs> other than the halftime show. So, so th- this is one thing that I've actually gone back and forth on, and here's why. Because I think about Jalen Hurts, right? And, and I go back to that game, that Alabama game when he got pulled at halftime in the national championship. He's been interviewed numerous times, and they've talked about that, and they've asked him that question, how do you feel, this and that. He's even said it. It made me who I am today. I wouldn't change it for anything. I'm a national champion, and that's all that matters. But my thing is, you're going to be in that game once again. How is your mental state going to be? I know it's funny, and some people might be like, oh, here we go, someone's bringing up mental, this and that. But it's part of the game, Tim, whether people want to accept it or not. The mental aspect is a huge part of the game, especially going into a Super Bowl. You're going into your first Super Bowl as a 24-year-old kid, young man in this league, right? When you even said yourself, Philly probably didn't even want me. Not only that, if we're being honest, Alabama didn't want you because look what happened in that national championship game. You got pulled. Not only that, you became who you are. You became a quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, not at Alabama. And the numbers and the statistics don't lie. He had the greatest career of his college career statistically at Oklahoma, not at Alabama. Why? Because they knew the type of quarterback he was, and they let him be that quarterback. And right now, I think he has that coach. But the problem is that coach is also young. That coach is also first-timer here. So I just don't know what to expect from them going into such a big game. Now, on paper, do they have the best team going in? I probably think that they have the better team going into the Super Bowl away from Kansas City, if I'm being honest with you, just from what I've seen, the eye test and all of that. But at the end of the day, you have a guy in Andy Reid on that other sideline that can find a way to outcoach you and, and, and make these type of adjustments at any time, especially against a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts. So I think that it's going to be the mind game between Jalen Hurts and Andy Reid. And at the end of the day, who wins that chess match? How does Andy Reid get into the mind of Jalen Hurts and find a way to rattle him? Whether it's getting him to the ground, whether it's not letting him throw the ball and making him run and still trying to make him win the game that way. What is it going to be? I don't know. But I think the only what if is going to be Jalen Hurts. I don't think we have any issues with Patrick Mahomes. Even if he's hurt, I think we know what we're going to get from him. He's going to come out and do what he has to do. I think that, honestly, the only question mark there is out there is Jalen Hurts. Can he handle this stage? That is the biggest question, Tim. Yeah, that's a great point. And experience does come into play in the Super Bowl. Um, Look, 
if you, even, and, if you just can I say skill, one more thing? And, sure. and, 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 and I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, I would prefer Patrick Mahomes to win this, and here's why. Jalen Hurts has already proven that he can be that next guy. He has a lot, and he's only 24 years old. Patrick Mahomes has gotten this far so soon in his career already that I think it makes more sense for him to get it, if that makes sense, for him to get it now, get it out of the way, cement his legacy, and let Jalen Hurts do what he has to do because he has a lot more left. Call me crazy. I would prefer Mahomes to win it, but again, I'm happy either way. A lot of quarterbacks never make it back, though. Jose, remember that that uh, stat as well. Yeah, that uh, is true. You know, <clears throat> experience plays a factor in this a lot of times. And if you look at the skill positions, offensive, defensive, Philly doesn't have a lot of Super Bowl playing guys in the, in those positions. Whereas Casey just won one with a lot of these these guys. And then you bring in the coaching aspect, like you said. So. Uh, all things we'll discuss next week. All things to think about it here as now we're officially entering Super Bowl week. So make sure you tune in next Saturday night, 10 o'clock, as Tommy and myself and, and all the guys of Heat Wave Sports are going to chime in and give their predictions. We're going we're gonna to do the, the, the annual show. Give us a prediction. Give us a prop. Let's talk about the game. And, and you know, we'll all have a fun time here in one week's time and declaring the, the, the next NFL champion for for the 2022 season. I do want to spend a decent amount of time, though, Jose, on some round ball here, and most, more specifically the local-based UNLV Rebel basketball team. You know, as we end, we enter the basically the stretch run of the season, there's seven games left until the Mountain West tournament, uh, four on the road, three at home. And when you look at this Rebel team coming into the season, Jose, you know, we had talked about what could we expect from this team? What can we expect from Kevin Kruger? And we got, you know, I think if you really break the season down, there was some overvalue here with the Rebels were 11-1, and non-conference, heading into the Mountain West schedule, and automatically dropped the first two games, you know. And so since then, since that 11-1 and start, this team sits at 4-7 and in Mountain West play. And that was one in six before they ripped off a three-game winning streak uh, up until this past last game where they, were, again, just embarrassed by Fresno State. So let's just kind of look at this from a whole. You know, when you look at this Rebel team, what did you expect Kevin Kruger's first year with this team to be? Is it Are they where you expected them to be? Are they underplaying what, what people wanted? Was that too much of a good start for them to, to give a, a very hungry fan base uh, they teased them basically jose because I, I when i look at it my opinion first i look at it they're kind of where i thought they'd be in fact they're a little bit better than where i thought they'd be but they're kind of steamrolling the way into what i thought they would be and that's uh, not a tournament team and a team that isn't going to be make it very far in the mountain west tournament so before the season started if i'm being honest with you i didn't expect them to be this bad of a conference team the fact that they're four and seven is is a little bit surprising to me if i'm being honest with you tim now that i expect them to be a great team that i expect them to be the team that they were when they started knocking off dayton number 21 at that time you know what i mean uh, and and playing the way that they were playing being i believe at one point only one of three undefeated teams in the nation no i didn't expect them to be any of that but did i expect them to have troubles and was i curious to see how good this team could actually be yes 
And here's why. We cover the team, Tim. You know that. We follow what comes in, what comes out. And what I mean by that, the transfer portal. I think the transfer portal has become one of the things that has changed all of sports, especially college basketball. And here's why. This team is full of, I believe, nine transfer portal kids. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tim. And it's showing you that you cannot create a team based off of guys that have never played with each other and expect them to be ready to go in year one. If you think that you're going to come into a program and you're going to live and make your stamp off of transfer portal players, then I'm sorry, you're 100% mistaken because UNLV is not going to win anything, whether it's regular season, in or out of conference, if you keep bringing in transfer portal players at this rate. Transfer portal was built for you to go grab that one or two guy that you may be missing. That one piece that might help you get over the top that's at the end of his college career that doesn't want to leave just yet and still has that eligibility that you might be able to snag and bring him over. That's what the transfer portal should be used for. I've interviewed Kevin. You've probably spoken to him before. You guys have interviewed him. You talked to him. We know what he wants to do, but I'm sorry. This is not working, and it's not going to work if you believe that transfer portal is the end-all, be-all. You need to go out there, hit the ground running. You need to start recruiting and bringing in the two, three, four-year guys that you're going to build the program under. Stop bringing in these guys that are one-year seniors with one year left of eligibility or graduate transfers that are trying to finish out their career and get a chance to play a little bit more ball with one more year left. It's not going to work, Tim, and we're seeing that it does not work. UNLV basically committed sin by showing everyone how good they could be before they got into conference. If you look at the way that they played defensively, very great defensive team to start the season. But look at the teams that they played and then look at the teams that they played when they started losing. They are good defensively against bad teams. They are horrible defensively against good teams. It's out there. And not only that, their second half lapses, Tim. How many times have we seen this team up big, looking good in the first half, and they've fallen asleep in the second half like they did the other night against Fresno State? They should have beat Fresno State, and they should have won that game without a doubt. But what did they do? They got sloppy, they got content, and they slowed down in the second half. And this team has no identity, Tim. And what I mean by that, they don't know who their guy is. One night is EJ Harkless. The next night it could be Sean Gilbert. We don't know who it's going to be. They need to find an identity and they need to find it now if they want to find a way to get any chance of sniffing any type of tournament or any type of championship conference this year. No, I, I agree. It's <clears throat> I don't know what the identity of yeah, it, 100%. What's the identity? And you shouldn't be looking for that 23 games into the season. And that that atrocity that happened a couple nights ago, that you can blame it on everything. Bad coaching. Uh, the players not there. It didn't look like their head wasn't in the game. You know, Fresno State, they should have beat the brakes off of Fresno State. Not once, but twice, Jose. They got swept by one of the worst teams in the Mountain West. They got swept by a team that was a dead man walking as a head coach and former uh, Rebel Hudson. So the losses are inexcusable. Inexcusable. And what what kills me is the, the you and I have laughed at this, literally sitting in the Thomas and Mac about how pathetic the fan base is. It, it, they're not fans, man. They're bagging, they're bagging wagon jumpers. That's 
right? Nobody was talking about them when they were through that stretch right in the beginning of the Mountain West season where they lost six of seven, right? All of a sudden, the guys put together three wins in a row. The only one that was probably a decent win in my mind was the Nevada win at home. And all of a sudden, we're talking Mountain West champions? Really? Are you serious? Give me a break, man. There's seven games left. Two more. The next two are on the road at Wyoming at San Diego State. I don't know if they win a game. I think Wyoming can beat them out, up there. That's not an easy place to play. You think San Diego State was was happy losing to this or uh, barely winning when these when these guys met? Now they got them in their own backyard. The season's going to come to a crashing halt. I feel, and I feel bad for Kevin Kruger and the fact that. You're right. What what is the what was the decision here in building this roster? Because Menzies didn't do it right. Otzelberger didn't really do it right. So what what is it? I'm with you. If if you're just going to be a mid, if you're considered, Jose, they're considered mid major now. Really think about that. They went from being a top powerhouse program in college basketball, and now less than 30 years later, they are considered mid major at best. So what do you do? I'm with you. Go out and get the four-year guys. You know, Tarkanian mixed. When Tark was here, he mixed in four-year guys with JC guys because transfers really weren't what it was. To really wasn't what it was 10 years ago. Hell, but he did the the correct mix, right? Long Kruger did the same thing. You had a couple of your your strong four-year guys. And then let's mix it up a little bit. And when the transfer portal did jump out, and like you said, bring in one or two guys and really make a difference, that's where Kevin Kruger came from, right? He came home to play one season with his dad, but he was already established as a veteran at, at Arizona State. So what have what is you're right, transfer portal has ruined college basketball, I think. And unfortunately, when you look at what you know he did, you said nine. At best, at best, these guys were role players on their at their previous stop. At best, right? So what did what did we really gain? We gained nine role players. Well, guess what? That's why you're a middling team. You didn't bring any stars in. So create your own stars. There's there's kids locally, Jose. There's two or three kids locally. I don't know if you can get them to stay here, but if you can get them to stay here at least three years, I think it makes a dramatic difference. It, it all comes down to recruiting and how you recruit some of these guys and, and what you say and what you build and what you're trying to build. And I just don't understand how we have so much talent in our backyard. You just said it, Tim. It's literally there. And not just in basketball, in almost every sport in, in Vegas, which is freaking just – and not even in Vegas, in Nevada in general. It's insane the type of talent that we have out here. But, yeah, we can't find a way to keep it in-house. We can't find a way to do that. When Kevin's dad was here, Lon did an amazing job. I don't understand how you can't pick your dad's brain. I'm not saying – be your father. No one's going to be Lon Kruger, ever. He was himself. He was his own style of coach. But how is it that your father was able to build something here? Had a tournament team and everything. It wasn't a slouch. They had a great, great time when Lon was here. He built something here, right? Why is it that you can't find a way to learn from that blueprint and create your own? I still don't get that. You know what I mean? Like It's right there, Tim. And this team should be so much more. The fans should be so much more. I give credit to Eric Harper. He's done a lot more to, to make more fans show up, promotions, this, that, and the other, get the kids going. So that's good because we haven't seen that for a while. But I think we're a long way from UNLV being back as a whole. Isn't Lon a consultant? <laughs> Isn't that his job right now? Isn't he some? He ain't consulting they... too well then. 
Yeah, like either that or his son's just not listening. That that could very well be it as well. I look, they could turn it around this last seven games, go into the Mountain West tournament on a, a momentum streak and pick off a game or two. They're not going to the tournament, man. And even if they did, Jose, what does it what does it prove? Because I don't look at the season as what did we do in the last ten games, man. It doesn't bode well for the future because what's going to happen? How many seniors do they have? What are they going to replace these guys with? You said it. Are they going to bring in more transfers? It doesn't work that way for me. So you're just getting in this cycle of mediocrity. And you remember the Tark teams, and you remember the Kruger teams. We need to get out of that. Look, old school fans, I, I appreciate your your lifelong fandom. We're not going to be that ever again. That's not ever happening. So we just need to get off that and, and build a new identity, like you said. And unfortunately, that identity right now is a middling mid-major team that loses five games in their home floor, and, and or four and seven in conference, including a six-game losing streak. That's what I see. They got five games left this month, Tim. I say they go two and three. I I honestly think that they're gonna go on the road this Wednesday. I think you and I think Wyoming's gonna give them a tough time. I think they're gonna pull that off. You know how tough it is to play in the Mountain West, no matter how bad a team may be. I don't look at records. A 7-15 and 15 team going against a 15-8 and 8 team does mean nothing to me. At the end of the day, it all how's that team going to come out and how these teams play on the road. They're not going to beat San Diego State on the road. No way that happens. I can see them beating San Jose State here at the MAC, even though I think that will be a tough game because San Jose State's not going to come in here and slouch on them. I think they go to Boise State and just get smacked. I don't think Boise State – is going to go out there and let UNLV do anything. And then call me crazy. I think Air Force, even though they'll beat them, Air Force will come out here and give you a tough time every time that they play you, and we know that. So I just think that these next five games are going to show what UNLV is really, really all about. Do you give us an above 500 record and show us some positivity, or do you show us the exact same thing and we're back to mediocrity? What's funny is that people always talk about, well, you know, we get we get uh we get to play the tournament on our home floor. What does that mean anymore? When was the last time they won the tournament on their home floor? <laughs> don't mean nothing. We don't get beat nothing. on our home floor all the time. Yes. Nothing. They got beat on it five times so far. You got what four more, three more games regular season. Just because you're playing the tournament on your home floor doesn't mean a thing. And we've sat in there during the tournament many, many times, Jose. Many, many times. We don't have the biggest fan base. Let's just put it that way, man. Wyoming travels deep, right? You know, we we've seen. Uh, Utah State travels deep. San Diego State has more fan base come to Vegas than their own fans. And I get it, it's a tournament, so tickets are different. But still, that that whole uh, that whole advantage you want to put out, it, it doesn't mean a, a damn thing. And what I do want to bring up, though, and I know that you agree, and you've had her on your show many times, but how about that women's team? Now, you talk about – You just read my mind. Resurrection of a program? In short time, it can be done, my friend. And she did it. And we're talking about Lindy LaRock. What an unbelievable job she's done in, two, what, two, three years now. Wow. 13 straight wins for the Lady Rebels. I mean, that is unbelievable. 22-2 and two overall, 12-0 and in the Mountain West. They made quick work of Air Force the other night, man. Just completely manhandled them at Clune Arena. 98-57, to 57, completely blew them out. And here's the craziest number overall, Tim. It's their 21st, yes, 21st straight win against Air Force. That's insane. They've beat this team 21 straight times. Not only that, Lady Rebels had five people scoring in double digits. 
Like, this team right now is on fire. They're hot. Lindy LaRock, we've spoken to her numerous times. I love Lindy, man. Congratulations if you're listening to this. You guys, you, you ladies are having such an amazing season. And it's fun to watch from afar. I haven't been to a game yet because I haven't had the opportunity to. And I know Lindy's going to get on me about it because she said I was supposed to go to a game this year. And I haven't done it yet. But, Tim, it, it goes back to women's basketball, right? And, and you and I talking about WNBA and them not getting respect and this, that, and the other. This women's team is just lights out right now. And take away what the men aren't doing. This women's team needs to get some more respect. I talked about it last year. Talked about it the year before that. More eyes need to be on this program. If people don't want to care about the UNLV men's basketball team and what they're not doing, then how about you scoot on over and come on over to Cox Pavilion, which is a little more smaller and cozier since we can probably fill that up because that will be the same amount of people that we get in Thomas and Mac as it is anyways. <laughs> And you're going to probably get a better product and a better atmosphere with all due respect to the men. Not trying to put the men down like that. But the Lady Rebels are just on fire right now. They're the cream of the crop when it comes to the Mountain West. Best team by far. Probably the favorite to win this whole damn thing again at Thomas and Mac and win the Mountain West tournament. But, Tim, I mean, how, how, here, here's the real question. How much longer do we keep Lindy, though? Because you know, you know that phone is going to start ringing. You know schools are going to start calling. Because she came from a big school. She came from a winning program herself as a player and then also as an assistant coach. So how long before that phone starts ringing, Tim? That has to be the next question, right? 100%. And we keep her as long as they are willing to pay, which they're not. We've seen, we know that. We know that. We know the answer. If a Duke or North Carolina or Stanford – Right, they come calling. You know, he's not matching anything, man. Where do you know not that? That's and that's a shame. That really is. They we legit have to win the title, and force hands to pay Lindy LaRock to stay here, and that should never be that way. You want a hometown girl who played high school basketball. Mm -hmm. Father's legend. a legend in this town, man. You want somebody like that building your program up, but you don't want to build it up and then just take her away. And it, you know, hopefully you have building blocks in place to sustain. But that doesn't always happen. So, yeah, you, you pay her, just like I always say, to pay somebody to come here. And you know what? They had a legit sellout at Cox. I say, this is what I say, Jose, put them in the MAC the rest of the season, and let's see who outdraws who, man. It, it would be – the men might outdraw them, but it'll be close. It would be close, man, because from what I saw the other night at the MAC, garbage. That was garbage. People leaving – Right, Jose, people leaving in the second half of a, of a closely debated, a hotly contested game. So people why just, not switch homes, right? Why not I, do yeah. that? I don't think they'll switch, but I, I don't know why they wouldn't just put them in there. It's not like they couldn't. What's it cost extra? And, and what, I, what I mean by that, how, how, how far-fetched of an idea is that, Tim? Think about it. The Lady Rebels are selling out Cox Pavilion, right? Or, or damn near doing that, filling it mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. You can get the whole lower bowl possibly filled at Thomas and Mac with a UNLV Lady Rebel game and possibly the whole arena almost filled. But you can't do that with a, with a men's game, right? Why not? What do you have to lose? Send them over to Cox Pavilion. Make the men's play at Cox Pavilion. Let them start filling that up. Heck, freaking um, Gonzaga plays in a gym that style. St. Mary's plays in a gym like that. And, and, and they're still technically bigger, bigger schools than we are considered in basketball right now. So it's like if they're doing it and it's working for them and it looks better on TV, why not do it? Why not give these players a smaller, more close-knit atmosphere where it's louder, where the fans are going to be more in tune? 
I look at it that way, Tim. What do you have to lose? You just brought, I'm sorry, you brought up a great point, and now I'm thinking about it. Why not just switch them around? Why not make the men's play at Cox and let the women play at Thomas and Mac for the remainder of the season? With all due respect, the ladies have earned it. They deserve it, and they've earned that respect to be able to have that opportunity, as where the men have earned no respect because they don't deserve it right now, and they should be demoted if that makes sense. I think it's a great idea, Tim. If anyone's listening, if UNLV is listening, Harp, if you're out there listening and you're up late night, try it out, man. What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. No. You want to create a home field, home court advantage, right? You're not exactly. creating a home court advantage with 4,000 people in an 18,000-seat arena. I'm sorry. Nope. And it may, may be a little bit more than that, but it, it looks empty. It looks empty. And it sounds empty. Yeah. And it, it was a running joke when Menzies was here. Let's put it that way. Menzies was here. It was a running joke with all of us. Otzelberger, not so much, but still running joke. This year? TJ. How about, how about this year at tip-off, Jose, when we you, – you do this a lot. You scan when you're there and you take video. You guys do a great job. What do you – you know, you have to be careful what you're videoing, right? Because you don't want to video a whole bunch of empty seats, which is literally oh, yeah. right at tip-off. That's what it looks like, man. So – Create that home court advantage. Create it. Create the like you said, the Gonzaga, literally fans right there on the court. You know, build something different because it's not working. And for the women, that's the crown jewel of the UNLV athletic department right now is that women's basketball team. And I'm happy, man. I love it because I think it's wonderful. And not only that, Tim. The one thing that I've noticed, okay, and I'm not trying to grill the team and or 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 the program whatsoever. So I don't want anybody to get mad or ruffle any feathers. But I point out what I see. I don't feel that the alumni is getting that much love. You don't see that many players or former players at the games like you should. I mean, I don't see Marcus Banks as much as I should, if, if possibly ever at any game. And, and with all due respect, he, he's a UNLV legend. He's a guy that's still young enough that you might be able to have him relate to some of the younger players out here, right? The guy played against Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, bigger names in the league that some of these young guys that you're trying to recruit might want to know and talk to. Why not have him closer to the program? That's one thing that I see that this or that this program has not done very well, Tim, and that's bring back a lot of alumni. And I think that that's something that they have to work on a whole lot more. We need to see that more in the stands, more of those faces. You're already not selling tickets as it is. Why not start giving out free tickets? as many as you can why not bring back as many of your alumni and fill up the whole front row courtside with a bunch of old school alumni i don't care if they're in a wheelchair or if they're guys that are just chilling that don't even play anywhere or do anything sports related anymore bring back these names because tim you and i have sat courtside many a times for a lot of these games and we've seen not only do you have a lot of the young crowd but you have a lot of older people there Older people walking with walkers and stretchers and this and that that are still old school UNOV fans. So that's why I say bring back alumni from all over the place. And they're not doing that, Tim. Why? Who knows? I've spoken to young alumni that are no longer with the team, obviously, because they've graduated and moved on. And they still haven't heard back from UNOV. Think about that. You know what I mean? That just goes to show you that they're not doing that great of a job to continue to bring them back. 100% agree. I blame that all in the administration and whoever's in charge now that maybe Harp has to do this is he has to just reach back out and get these guys in there, man. You know, when you look at 
especially like schools from the ACC and the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, you always see former players hanging out, watching games, and tweeting about it. You know, like you said, where's the love for UNLV? But, but why would you, if you're a former alumni, you're not? Why would you, if you feel like they don't love you anymore? Why? Why do you care, right? And I think that's what it's become. They, they, they're not going to just. They felt like the school just is done with them, basically, right? There's no, there's no love there anymore. Well, you don't play here anymore. We don't care. So, last segment, since we're talking women, uh, sports mostly, here in the, yes, in the last couple of minutes. Let's do the WNBA. I know there, there's some fans out there. There's there's a bigger fan base for the WNBA than we think now, and I think you, you and I especially, Jose, have helped grow that fandom over the years. You know, me and you sat year one. We, we spent many, many games at courtside, but year one especially was, in my mind, will always be one of my favorite years to cover a team was year one and watching that build into what it became last year winning the WNBA title so now we're back for hopefully a repeat and the WNBA had their free agency open this week saw some big signings but here's my thing well let's go this go this route first let's talk about the signings so Vegas brings in Alicia Clark bring in um Candace Cameron. Parker. Yeah, the big, the Hall of Famer, right? We're bringing in, we're bringing in the Hall of Famer, Candace Parker, to Tom add. Brady. <laughs> yeah, call her what you call her that. Absolutely to go right. What what a signing! But what you lost here now, and will it affect this team? So to get Parker there, you had to let go of De'Erica Hambry. And you and I, I think, have the same opinion. Chris Wynn as well. We love we loved Hamby. We love that energy. Energizer Bunny off the bench. Just he brought something to that team that was special. Even in the years they didn't win. Last year, integral part of that team. We'll always remember that shot at the Thomas and Mack Center. Us sitting there. Uh, that was one of one of the best games I ever attended as a media member. And all, you know, you're not supposed to cheer. There was nobody getting in trouble that day, Jose. We were all cheering that that shot, but. I guess we'll look at it two parts here. Your thoughts on Hamby leaving and really what's happened after the fact because there's kind of a negative stink now on the Aces organization if this is true. But the addition of Candace Parker, yeah, she's Hall of Famer. She's great. But did it make the team better? That's the question. Did it make the team better? I throw to you, my friend. Um, hmm. What can I say about this offseason for the Aces, right? <laughs> Obviously – there's been so much quote unquote turmoil with, you know, what what Derek said on how things were handled and all that. We're not gonna get into all that, you know what I mean? Because I respect the Aces as an organization as a whole. I respect the Erica Hamby as well. She's always giving me the time of day, giving us the time of day. She was always so gracious with the media. Am I sad to see her go? Yes. But a few things were told to me, and I'm not, I won't say who these individuals were just to keep it between us, because I do respect other people that I speak to. But some things did were said to me made sense, and one of them was. Dierica was great, and fans knew her better than most because of Amaya. If you think about that, she was more known because of her daughter, not necessarily all because of what she did on the court, because she didn't necessarily be the superstar or the main player on the team. She was great, 6-1, we know that, we know what she did and all that, of course. But then you also can't judge the off-season trades in a silo, right? In an entirety, it's a whole off-season Trades free up cap space. Other signings remain competing. Obviously, cap space isn't exciting, but, you know, 
Candace Parker is exciting to talk about. So you bring that person in and we know what she brings. But I just think that the aces right now are completely reloading. They're not rebuilding. They're completely reloading and they're re-adding to what they had and they know what they have to add to this team. I mean, you bring in a forward and Alicia Clark, we know what she can do. We know her pedigree. We know what she's done. You bring in Candace Parker. I mean, Candace Parker, obviously, even though she's 36 years old, she dips, goes to Chicago, wins a championship in year one. So I just think that this move is all about the glitz and the glamour and bringing in that big name. But what scares me is, and obviously I've never gotten to cover Candace. I've never gotten to interview her just yet, but we know she's a bright light. And we know what has happened to bright lights like her in Vegas. And what I mean by that is our good friend Liz Cambage. <laughs> obviously, Liz and Candace are two different people, right? But what I mean by that, is this a move by Candace more for her to get to a place like Vegas that is kind of like LA with the bright lights, the bright stars, and probably do something with her career outside of basketball? Or is this a full basketball move where she really thinks, I'm coming to a contender, they're the defending champ, I can win another chip, it's only a one-year deal, I'm good to go. I'm not saying anything negative about her whatsoever because I truly believe that she's all about the basketball. It's not about money to her, it's not about anything else, it's about being a team player and bringing a chip here. So I'm excited to see what this team is going to bring. We've seen the things that um, um, Becky Hammonds has already said about how she feels this team can go. She believes they can go undefeated, which I think you got to slow your roll there. Saying undefeated, you don't want to ever say that because that can hurt you in the long run. But if I'm being honest, based off of the signings that they did, I would say they are a top contender to be a champion again and repeat. But you're going to call me crazy. I think the team that has made some of the best moves and you have to watch out for this coming season is the New York Liberty. By them getting Brittany, Brianna Stewart, and not only that, Courtney Vandersloot after she told Chicago, I'm out, I appreciate it, but I'm leaving, and she's going to New York too, that's huge. New York juiced up their team as well, and then you have the youngster, UNESCO, right, with the Liberty. So this is going to be a very, very interesting season coming up. Are the Aces going to be the front runner? Probably gambling-wise here in Vegas, they're going to be the favorite to win it all. But I don't know if they're necessarily the favorite now, Tim. I think New York is going to give them a run for their money. I think Brianna knows what she's doing. I know what Courtney knew what she was doing by wanting to go to New York as well. She still has a lot left in the tank there. I think she's going to help Sabrina grow a lot as well because she is so young. And Courtney can help her out with that. So... Those, to me, are the two top teams. Obviously, I'm going to give Vegas the roses, and we're going to put them up there as number one. But I think it's going to be between them and New York. I don't know what, how you feel about that, Tim. I love New York, man. Joe Sy right? is the They're owner, scary. right? They're scary. They're scary. Joe Sy is the owner, right? Obviously, we know him now with the Vegas connection of the Desert Dogs. But you forgot John Quayle Jones is there as well former MVP of the league. They, they traded for her. And oh, that was the shoot. first move of the offseason. Yes, yes. Right. I forgot so about that. So they're loaded, man. And they're loaded in all the right spots. And the the Brianna Stewart, I love it. I love Asia. You know that. Mm -hmm. I love I love Brianna Stewart, though. I, she's my favorite player, uh, besides Sophie Cunningham. But that's for different reasons. And, and anyways, you know, when you're talking about um, what they're what they bring back, and the youth of, of the of future, look, 
Sabrina is going to be unbelievable. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. And now she has these role pieces or role players and pieces that she can add to it. And Vandersloot, best point guard in basketball. I, look, we all love Gray, but Vandersloot's the best. And what people don't see as well, and I don't, I don't know structurally wise where they're seeing with money, but Ali Quigley, who of course her partner is Courtney Vandersloot, is not playing in Chicago this year either. Don't be surprised to see some a late season addition there to, to fire up. You know she can bomb it from the outside. So New York's got a lot of a lot of pieces here, and we only get to see that matchup twice in the regular season. And other than that, we're gonna have to wait for the the finals, right? Because here's the thing, and I want to end on, and we got uh, five minutes, Jose. Do you feel a league that this small should be having super teams though? Like, because nobody else is talking about anybody. There's no other teams being brought up now. It's New York. It's Vegas. That's that's the final. One of them's going to be the champ. Bottom line, I don't think this league is strong enough to have super teams like that. I think it's a bad thing. No, I. You know what? I agree with you. I, I could definitely agree with you on that because if you look at the NBA, the NBA is a whole different monster, right? The type of players that they have, the type of teams that they could create. This league is still so small and it's still trying to grow in other aspects, adding more teams, you know, the Commissioner's Cup, extending the playoffs, whatever it may be. I think they still have so much more to work on that this could eventually possibly hurt the league, but it can also help it. And what I mean by that, we haven't seen, quote unquote, super teams in the WNBA, right? I mean, we've seen great teams, but these teams have been assembled throughout the years by draft picks and things of that nature with the old school teams, the Comets, remember Houston Comets, how they did it, bringing in all their players, their pieces, and how they created their teams and things of that nature. So I just think that it, it, it could help and hurt the league in both ways because if we see teams that are super teams and they're fighting against each other or they're bringing out that style that people want to come see and it's more exciting, then maybe you get more eyes on the game, right? Because, hey, we see a super team and we go, oh, We've seen something we've never seen before in this style of play with women's basketball. So maybe it'll bring some other eyes that we haven't had into the league. But I think aside from that, the league needs to just try to focus on a lot more things, Tim, because super teams isn't something that they should be worried about at this time. Yeah, because you go super team route and say you say somebody frees up enough money to be a third super team. Teams like Indiana, which are just bad, are not going to get better. Look at Seattle. Look what they've lost. They're going to be in for a rough season, you know. Look at Phoenix. Generally a thorn kind of in, in Vegas' side, but there's so much going on behind the scenes with what happened in the offseason and who's not going to play and who's possibly retiring. Or, you know, there's Diana so Taurasi's many... not even signed. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, BG technically is an, an over-restricted free agent. She's not signed under contract this year. So it's like – not to mention mentally, where is she going to be at, right? Oh, yeah. So the, for for Becky to say 40, you know, 42, you know, whatever it is, it's said with tongue-in-cheek, but it's also said that when you look at the strength of this league, and I don't think it happens, you know, Mike no, Dixon, they'll, our they'll friend Mike Dixon posted that out for yeah, clickbait. So. I know he did. But, <laughs> but look, it's not going to happen. But to say that when you're, what is it, an eight-team league, the bottom half is terrible, just terrible, man. And here's the thing, Tim, real quick. You, you talked about super, super teams and all that money being spent and all that. How about we go away from super teams and spend the money on that and we focus on getting these women their own chartered planes? Can, <laughs> right. can we do that? 
Right. Can, can we get them their own plane and not have them flying and waiting just like everyone else when they have to get to a game and they're tired? This is ridiculous, Tim. And it's not that they don't can't afford it, right? It, it, oh, I, they can. They sure the, can. The owners, I've already heard this, from the Liberty owner, uh, Davis has said it, that if they had to help subsidize and get other teams the ability to have their own plane, they would help do it. It's not that nobody wants it to happen. Everybody wants it to happen for whatever reason. The league, it's a, it's a sticking point with the league right now. So I don't know. I do know that it's February. They start in May. So this next, you know, I don't like the way they're structured either with their off season because there's a big lull now. You had the big week of free agent signings. You're gonna get some some pieces joining teams here and there. But then it's just like dry again. So I think they do need to do a better job with that. You know, we've always talked about the league and the stability. and We know a lot of things we think could be done better. And that includes another sticking point that we don't really have time to talk about. But they should be expanded at least into two more cities and go to 12, don't you think? I agree. Give us two more teams. That, yes, 100%. Put one in, in Bay Area and put one out Midwest somewhere, right? I mean, come on. Let's get it done. You got the money. You know you do. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives how many more jobs to to women athletes? At least another True 25 that. jobs, right? So it's been a fun more show. roster bro. spots. Yeah, fun appreciate show, man. you, man. Let everybody know about where they can find you, brother. You mind if I give a quick little shout out real quick and then I'll get out of here from you? My it. guy, Big Big B, Big B P Best, man, he hopped on our spaces. We do spaces every single morning, plug talk spaces with the outlet SV. He did a 17-team parlay. He just listened to all the people in there uh, talking about what they liked. He did a 17-team parlay for 50 bucks, cashed out today for $14,000. Big shout-out to him, man, <laughs> for giving us love and showing us all the love on Twitter and all the spaces and everything that we do. But, man, if you want to find me, Jose underscore Volonte on Twitter, Hit me up on the DM. You got any questions about anything we got going on? I'm always hitting everybody up. Hit me, follow. I'll follow back. Like, share, retweet. I appreciate you guys for all the love. Thank you, Tim. And uh, we will definitely talk again soon, my guy. Next Saturday, man. We need that Super Bowl pick next Saturday night. So You got it. Definitely. And Jose Valente, Straight Bet Sports. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow night, 10 o'clock. Tommy and I will be back together again. More football talk. I think we're going to toss a little baseball in as well. So 10 o'clock tomorrow night, Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports. For Jose, for my man Mateo back in the Lotus Broadcast Studios. Tim Ungles, we have a great sports Sunday. And we'll talk tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Have a good night. Tears of gold when you break the mold and get results. Here we go. Ah!